Welcome to a new episode of Dementia Dialogue, the second in our series on young onset dementia, hosted by Jillian McConnell with The Brain Exchange. This episode continues the story shared by the Deneen family that began with a conversation with Matt Deneen about his and his family's experience when Lisa developed frontal temporal dementia. In this part, we hear of the family's experience through the eyes of Justin, Rebecca, and Peter, who were just 12, 10, and 8 at the time of their mom's diagnosis nine years ago. It is often said that when a person gets dementia, the whole family does as well. But there is a big difference between late onset dementia and its impact on older children and young onset dementia, where young children, often still dependent, experience the consequences. Let's listen in. So hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Um, we have Becca, Pete, and Justin with us today. In an earlier conversation, your dad provided a bit of detail about your mom and your family. But can you remind us about how old your mom was when she was diagnosed and how old um, each of you were? Yeah, so my mom, when we found out about the diagnosis, she was 43. Um, so I was, I was the oldest. Uh, I was 12 and then we're all two years apart. So my sister, Rebecca, 10, and then my brother, eight. With respect to the diagnosis, did they tell you right away or did they wait for a little bit? I know my mom wasn't really part of the conversation. Everything kind of took place over, I'm not exactly sure, but definitely over a, a year, I want to say, um, over a long place of time, just kind of like the build up to noticing kind of something was a little off. And then I remember like, my dad sat us down one day and said that they were going to bring my mom somewhere to run like tests and stuff. And then eventually got to the point where he sat us down again and then told us that she was uh, moving to long-term care. And Becca, do you remember what that felt like that conversation? Was there a sense of relief in knowing that something you had a, a bit of an answer or was it, or maybe it was both feeling pretty scared and nervous and not knowing what that all looked like. Yeah, it was actually, it definitely was a shock. Like, I remember me, Justin, and Peter would talk because we would slowly notice, like, we were getting an abnormal amount of, like, people reaching out and, like, people making meals for us and my dad's, like, on calls and stuff. And we were kind of noticing little things and my dad would be like, oh, so-and-so made this dinner for us tonight. And, like, my mom would be out or something and we were all kind of a little skeptical and he didn't really tell us what was going on because obviously he wanted to figure that all out first and like we obviously noticed some changes in her over time but I mean we were young and obviously our minds didn't go straight to oh maybe she has dementia but my dad definitely noticed something more than we did and went and ran tests and then people at his school uh, were aware of it and they did like little fundraisers and stuff. And then we were slowly just really kind of confused about it. And then we were just starting to ask him all the time, like why are people helping out so much? And like, not that we're complaining, but you know, it's out of the blue. And then, yeah, he just sat us down one time at dinner and we were all just, it was me, Peter and Justin and my dad. And he just kind of told us what's been going on and it's like 
you never would have thought like it would have been to that extreme but yeah it was definitely a hard conversation and hard to hear but it was more just confusing at the time because like what happens now and that conversation kind of came later yeah and Pete do you remember much about that conversation you were eight right so you were pretty yeah I didn't uh fully uh understand just being so young like but uh I definitely I do remember the exact day my dad used uh like drawings to show us what was going on and stuff like yeah, I didn't comprehend it all, but I definitely knew something was up. And over time, I definitely uh, started noticing more things and understanding it more. Do you remember some of those things that that kind of made you pause and say, hey, this mom isn't acting like herself right now, or, or this, this is a little off compared to what she's normally like? It's honestly kind of hard to put everything into categories of years because it's been so long. But I think yeah. at the beginning, we were kind of I think we were all kind of noticing some like strains in like my dad and my mom's marriage, which was kind of a big indicator because, yeah, there was definitely some problems there, which kind of led my dad to say like, this isn't the woman I married and this is why I got to figure out what's going on. Um, But we kind of noticed that. And then like our laundry room would be like covered in like clothes, like just really abnormal things. And she would just kind of do some just really random little situations that you that have no explanation like so like she'd come to our hockey games or something and like do like talk to the parents about something like out of the blue or something like I honestly can't remember specifics from that long ago but we there was instead of a lot of small things it was more like a couple bigger things in random situations that had no explanation that we were kind of just like confused about and my dad kept tabs on them a lot more than we did. Pete anything to add do you have many memories of different things or? I do remember the laundry room I just remember the house being abnormally uh, just messy. Um, My mom was always pretty good with keeping the house clean and then it just started kind of falling apart and I do remember there was one time where um, we were at a, uh, a quickie and my mom was uh, going in there to uh, buy something. I don't know what. And she she locked me on in the car on like a hot day with the dog. And uh, I remember my dad just flipping out. And another uh, example, uh, she ran to one of Becca's hockey games in the rain. And I remember that was just kind of a weird thing. She ran down a super busy road in uh, Ottawa so yeah I just remember those things and my dad and her talking about them and he was just questioning her so I definitely noticed some little things. Can you talk about how that impacted your life in terms of like you know you guys have mentioned your mom coming to hockey games and did you feel comfortable bringing friends home and uh, or going to school events you know all of these sorts of things that most people don't think about when they think about dementia and yet that's exactly what was happening to all three of you and your dad I definitely say I kind of like kept things definitely like bottled up in terms like my friends in school like I did have like great friends and like had a lot of like out like family and outlets where I could talk to people it was always just something that was like not like embarrassed of because I didn't have control over 
Um, but it was just something I, like kind of a side that I didn't really want people to see. Cause I, I go over to, to all my friends' houses and they just have like completely normal lives, like two parents, like happy making them food, packing their lunches. And then like, I kind of watched my life go from like normal to slowly like weird things are changing. And then it's like, boom, like it's all of a sudden we're like single parent family essentially. Um, so it, it was pretty tough. And over time I started telling friends and then I, I slowly started, um, telling people and like people became aware and I became more comfortable with it, but definitely for like probably a few years, just like never had friends over, like didn't really want people to know, like I didn't really want her at like my hockey games and stuff just for kind of some of the stuff Beck and Peter have said already. So it was, it was definitely tough. What sort of avenues did you guys take to try to get some help and process everything that was going on in your lives? I think the, uh, one of the biggest outlets for all of us was uh, our grandparents because they had uh, like the best grasp out of everyone what was going on because that that's their daughter. Um, so yeah, they kind of stepped in, stepped up. And uh, our aunts and uncles, pretty much the whole family was, uh, was always there for us. And it was, it was tough for me to talk to my friends about it because I knew like being eight, nine, 10, they wouldn't understand that kind of stuff. So um, I never talked to anyone professionally, but family was always there for us and yeah that was definitely our biggest outlet I mean me there were things me and my mom would do like just us and then slowly over time I would like go and want to do something with her and then she was kind of just not the same about it um which was kind of tough but um yeah like I said I mean I'm really lucky to have Justin Peter and like my dad and we've always gone along. The three of us have all really gone along well. And I mean, we all experience the same thing. So it's really nice to like be able to, you know, experience it all together, like growing up. Cause yeah, it's definitely not something that I know of like anyone that would totally understand what we've been through. Like, yeah, my grandparents are definitely the closest people to know what's going on in our lives. We're, always been really close with them and they've always helped us out with everything and they see my mom like almost every day like they are very involved in our lives and hers too so we're very lucky to have them and yeah like Peter said like our aunts and uncles and all of them like they're always there for us so that was good and I think just a hard aspect of it was um we all went to the same school as my dad and I feel like we were all I want like at one point we were all at the same school he was at and um I feel like we were all similar in the sense where we're not as open about stuff with everyone like I know the boys just said like they weren't really keen to tell their friends and like yeah like how do you explain at that age like what's happening in your life to people who don't think twice about having two healthy parents or like so it was definitely like that and like I said, my dad, he was a bit more open about it. And uh, so it was tough because teachers at school would come up to me and like ask me how I'm doing. And it's like, I didn't like, like it just makes it seem like a thing that I didn't want to have associated with my high school life. And it was like, I ended up changing schools, like not solely for that reason, but definitely was tough when I'm, my dad would like do like, gene days or something for like FTD fundraise fundraisers and stuff which is totally fine but then 
you know, he would talk about it in his class and stuff. And then our friends are in his class and then it's like, everyone knows. And then it's like, how is, you know, everyone knows about like kind of a, not as great part of your life. So it was definitely, that was probably one of the hardest parts about it because we couldn't really control people knowing um, all the time. So uh, yeah, that was probably the toughest part. Uh, yeah, I was also just going to add to like an outlet. Obviously, like we had our family, they all live like super close to us. So seeing them a bunch. Um, and like my dad was super supportive to the whole thing. Like obviously he probably needed us just as much as we needed him. But um, a big thing for all three of us, I'm guessing like um, one friends, like even though I said they didn't know, like it's nice when you have this like deep thing going on at home just to leave and just you're 12 years old playing ball hockey or having sleepovers with your friends like you just just take your mind off things get out of the house and then also like all of us playing competitive sports too it eats up so much of your time and like when you're in the locker room or like on the field like you're not it's so far in the back of your mind so it's not like you're pushing it away but it's just like you kind of get to be a kid again you know you don't have to think of that kind of deep stuff weighing you down can the three of you talk about what your relationship like is like now with your mom. Um, you're two of the three of you are living away from home now. And uh, the one that you're, you're almost out the door feet. Um, but a lot of times passed. And, uh, and from what I understand, your mom lives in a long-term care home now and has been for, for a little while. And uh, can, so can you talk about how that's like, or your relationship is like now, nine years later? Um, I think, communication is definitely the biggest um, thing missing from the relationship with our mom but that doesn't like dictate whether seeing her will brighten up our day it always brightens up our day so even a smile and a hug will be enough for us it's just not being able to um, just have a normal conversation with her is definitely the hardest part but we saw that slowly go over the years so that that's definitely the uh, the biggest change we've noticed and just all the all the different attitudes and stuff but yeah definitely communication is the biggest thing but seeing her always brightens up our days so can't complain being away for a decent amount of time than coming back usually is harder to see like all the deterioration that's happened in that bigger period than it would have been seeing her like every day like uh, a lot more often in like say high school or in the summer so, I mean, Justin would have a lot more to say on that than I have because he's been there for almost four years. But um, so far, it's, um, yeah, it's hard. Like, I can't call her, you know, like, she can't, like, ask her how she's doing or have a conversation like that. So, but I know that, like, when I come home and she sees me, she, like, she'll recognize me, like, at least my face, and she'll be happy to see me, but yeah it's definitely hard not having the communication that most people will have just like calling their parents and yeah that's the biggest thing probably I I can add on to that too like so the like me being away at school it's it's really tough because like Peter said the communication's like really one-sided now with her like there's no like back and forth so and she doesn't I can't contact her in any way like I can't call her unit or can't she doesn't have a cell phone 
So it's basically like sometimes my dad will call me when she's in the car, but it's at most just like a hi and like I'll ask her a couple of questions and my dad will just kind of like speak for her. But it's just like nice knowing um, she's in like the presence or like in the car. Um, and then it's just kind of about like just spending time when you can when you're home. So like in the summer, even during COVID when we couldn't go see her, like me back and Peter would we'd give her unit like a box of ice cream and then go and she'd come to the window and like she'd have ice cream with us and stuff. And then like even though there's no like back and forth um, whenever we go in, like I'll go over in my, in my reading week and we'll hang out with her, sit outside. We'll try to play basketball, basketball with her, do puzzles, even if it's not like talking, it's just about spending time together. So we'll always try to do that as much as possible because it makes both of us happy. And you can see that she's happy even though she can't say it. Again, when people think about dementia, any form of dementia or cognitive impairment, and then we have a conversation about long-term care, very few people think about a 40 year old or someone in their late forties now or early fifties, even as part, as a resident of long-term care living there. Um, it's just not part of the image that most people have. So the things that you've described, going and getting ice cream and maybe playing some, some basketball or, or talking to your mom that way or interacting with her, or I think are, is probably very different than, than most people's traditional image um, that they conjure up when they, they think of someone that lives in long-term care. Can you speak to sort of what that's been like for you and or have you taken the opportunity to sort of teach people about that piece? Yeah, I think it's um, definitely not something you see that often, especially as young as my mom was when she did go in. It's weird when you think like, our grandparents go to visit their daughter there and like you know before we got to know the staff there they'd be like oh like coming to see your grandparents or something it's like oh my mom lives here and they always like before they really like knew now we know like a lot of the staff and they know our situation but you know they'd always like you know give us some sort of look at because you don't see it very often and yeah, it's just, it's hard because people ask like how it happened so early. And since it's such, you say dementia and people's minds go straight to older people. It's so hard to explain how the probability of it is possible. But I mean, it's starting to occur more in like younger people, but it's just, definitely unfortunate that my mom was one of the victims of that but yeah I mean the support she has at Carleton Lodge and like as long as she's been there and everything like the staff is all great and yeah it was definitely weird at first being like that young going in there like saying that you're going to see your mom. <laughs> yeah so Pete that means like for almost about half your life then your mom's been in a long-term care home right? Yeah I think one of the toughest things for all of us is like going into the home and just seeing the older residents and her just being so far away from their age and knowing that she might end up like that one day. So um, that, yeah, that's definitely one of the toughest things. And in terms of like spreading awareness and educating people, uh, I personally, I think every little conversation helps just talking to your friends, talking to whoever. And there was one time in biology class that I did a presentation on dementia I didn't make it personal or anything it was more just to kind of educate and 
didn't matter how little the class was. I think everything helps, and it's it's nice to see that it's getting much more awareness now. It always like frustrated me seeing how like she's half the age of all the other residents, and she's not leaving there for the rest of her life. So she's just gonna slowly turn into like the other people on her like secured secured residents who a lot of them have their own things going on but it's very like tough to to communicate with them and interact with them so just seeing that that's sort of what my mom's next 40 years entails just getting to that point was always really um was really tough for me so I, I preferred much more having her um come home and then as for kind of educating I wouldn't say there's too much I do like on a daily basis but I'd say just something like this, like when we got get the chance, um, I think it was back in 2016, we did the other the um, other conference. Um, we've also done like a bunch of walks and stuff, but just like, especially at the walks and whenever we're in a community of people with like Alzheimer's or dementia, just seeing like some younger faces there and like our mom being there, they're just like, oh, like this can really happen to anyone. I think stuff like that goes a long way and just kind of spreading our story just so people are aware of it and know it's a real thing. Do you have insight into your resiliency and or any advice that you could give to anyone listening who might be going through something similar or just sort of starting in on that journey that you've been on for nine years, 10 years now? Yeah, I can, I can just say two quick points um, that really helped me. One, just having a great support net network, but also like a diverse one. So like I said, I had my dad my siblings, aunts, uncles, grandparents, but then also friends and just have something that you can kind of get away from um, everything from. So like I said, we had sports, um, just we, we did all sorts of things at school. I did like Boy Scouts, um, stuff like that. So just having outlets where you can just go live your life and be normal for, for a while, anything like that definitely helps. It helped all, all three of us. Yeah, I'd have to agree with Justin, just having outlets people to talk to whether it's just friends family or like professionally but you also don't want to like avoid the issue you want to you want to face it and just see what you could do be there for other family members going through the same thing make sure to keep seeing the the victim of dementia and just do everything you can but also find outlets to take your mind off of it yeah I think we all had a really good group of friends that have always been there for us and yes obviously our family and all that and it is important to also acknowledge like there was definitely a couple phases that my mom went through that we would all get pretty frustrated from and you just got to keep reminding yourself that it's not her fault it's not our fault it's just an unfortunate situation that happened and you know we still love her and she's still the same person on the inside and got to be patient and yeah everyone it's nice having uh people who are experiencing the same thing around you like me and my brothers and my grandparents so it's definitely nice not being like an only child in this situation or something like that couldn't even imagine what that would have been like so yeah, you definitely just have to accept that there's no one to blame. And this, although it sucks, is the hand of cards you're dealt. And you can either like moan about it and let it affect your life, or you can work with it, help other people, like spread awareness and overcome it and come out a better person, which I think we all have done.
Well, I just want to say thank you to all three of you for sharing your time and your experiences and being so open with, with me today. I know um, it's uh, probably not the easiest thing to do, but uh, I have absolutely no doubt that uh, you've resonated, your messaging has resonated with somebody who's listening and, uh, and will continue to resonate um, as time goes on. So I wish all three of you the best of luck in all of your endeavors. And, uh, and it's so nice to have, to see that uh, you count on each other and, and your dad and your grandparents, and you've got such a great support system with your friends. I have no doubt that that'll carry you along the way as well. So thank you so, so much for all of your time today, guys. Thank you for doing this. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the work you're doing to um, showcase everything and bring awareness to FTD. Our pleasure. Thanks, everyone. Have a great evening. I am sure that you join me in thanking Justin, Becca, and Peter for sharing their experience and reflections. I admire their willingness to share in the hope of supporting others on a similar path. I also want to acknowledge Lisa's parents, the kids' grandparents, who offered so much support. Perhaps I do that because I've recently become a grandparent myself and appreciate the relationship that can grow between a child and their grandparents. Sharing family hurts with others is often more difficult than sharing personal hurts because we are sometimes talking for others. Good on the Deneens for these two interviews. Please check out our show note for information links to learn more about FTD. On March 15th, we released our first Francophone episode, hosted by Ingrid Gagnon. Our new Francophone episode will be released in mid-April. And the next episode in the Young Onset series will be released May 3rd, featuring an interview with Jill Churchman with host Kathy Hickman, a colleague of Jillian's at the Brain Exchange. In the middle of this, we will feature episode seven in our Arts and Dementia series with Ainsley Moorhouse, interviewed by Lisa Loisel. You can receive each of these episodes in your inbox when they are released by subscribing to dementia.dialogue at lakeheadu.ca and putting inbox in the subject line. We had a great turnout to our focus groups over the past while, thanks to our listeners who participated. As always, we acknowledge the Centre for Education and Research on Aging and Health at Lakehead University, our institutional partner, and the Public Health Agency of Canada for its financial support. Thanks for listening. My name is David Harvey.